0: It's good to see you. Good looking folks. Hey, if this is your first time at Fathom, I just want to welcome you and just hope that you just find this a place that you can grow in your faith and really grow in family too. We think there's both aspects. It's in the kind of communal experience of just drawing closer to Jesus and that we're really pruned and really find just fullness of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. So it's great to see you guys. I'm really looking forward to to today. Um, I think it's good that we just kind of start today just taking a moment to just thank God for how good He is and just realize how blessed we are. I don't think we do that enough. I don't think most of the time we wake up and be like, oh, I'm glad I, I sleep in, in a bed, you know, or, or I'm glad that I have a, a roof over my head, or I'm, I'm glad I have a car to drive, I'm glad that I have a job. We, we don't really thank God for just sometimes the simple things. Um, but there's a lot of places all over this world that they don't have clean drinking water when they wake up, and uh, they don't come to air-conditioned buildings, and, and we complain about it being too cold or, or too hot, but we're in a building, like, many of them are in tents or in somebody's house, like, like stuffed up, and we're just really blessed, and um, children of the God and creator of the universe, I mean, just just take it all in for just a second, just to think of how blessed we are, because I know it's, if you're anything like me, like, i I can just kind of move into things and just kind of forget to calculate how blessed I am. Even if you feel like you're just broke as a joke. You live in America, and that puts you in the top 90-something percentile of richest people in the world. So, hey, you're rich. It's like Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous in here. You know, if we look across the global economy, it's, it's incredible. We're blessed. And so I think it's just a good place for us to start grabbing a hold of, of that truth that we're blessed. Um, years ago, this movie came out. It was called Friday Night Lights. I don't know if you guys saw it. I was probably in middle school or high school when it happened. And I've grown up just loving, loving sports, play basketball and football year-round growing up, and especially love football. So any, like my favorite movie is Rudy. Probably, you guys seen Rudy. Rudy's like one of my favorite movies. It's like a guy Feel good kind of movie, and, you know. It's it's like you know, little white guy who gets a chance to play for Notre Dame. He just fights and works hard. It's like good feeling. So anytime a, a football movie comes out, like part of me is like really excited, but I've been let down so much because it's usually like they're usually bad. I mean, there's only like a few good ones over the course of time. But anyway, this movie came out, and so all my friends wanted to go, and so I was like, yeah, let's go. And so we go to this movie. I was excited about it. They were excited about it. And then after the movie, we, we see the movie. After the movie, they ask me what you think about it, and I was like, you really want to know my opinion? And they were all excited about it. They loved it. And I'm like, I hated it. They're like, you hated it? How did you hate the movie? I was like, well, first of all, it was set in the 1980s. Is anybody else like me, like you start digging into, you're like, this is not believable. And, and so, I go, it's like, at first it's set in like the mid-1980s. And then I see this 1998 Dodge Durango pull around the corner. I'm like, wait a second. That's not like correct. And then like the guys in high school in the 80s are wearing Under Armour. And I was like, Come on and so really what it is that I hate, I hate product placement, I hate it when they kind of like slide product placement in, it ruins good TV shows for me, like you can ask my wife, I just kind of get on a rant when it happens, and I'm like, nope, not watching that show anymore, but it happens like all shows, so you end up getting over it, but, um, which I have not, obviously, so there's this, this other show for you guys that are, that are nerds in the house like me, there's a show that came out years ago called Heroes, anybody seen that? Okay. Not diehard fans, okay, I thought we had more of a nerdy crowd than than we do, so I'm going to be standing on my own on this one. But the show Heroes came out, and it was like very kind of nerdy, kind of comic book type stuff. And anyway, this this show kind of was good for the first couple of seasons, and most everybody I talked to about the third season, it got ridiculous with the product placement. It was overboard, like some of you guys know Hayden Pinatier, and like she'd pick up like her phone, and she's like, yeah, I'll just call him on my T-Mobile phone and it would like flash the the logo. And then she was like, and I'll jump into my Hyundai that my daddy bought me. And then like in, in the next 30 seconds, like she would say Hyundai like six or seven times. And you could tell it was like written in the contract, she has to say it like six or seven times. It was like just that obvious. And so I hate product placement because because it's like this subvert, like kind of subconscious way of like marketing mind control. And if anybody's in the field of marketing, I'm not like hitting you or like beating you up. To, but it, it's what it is. It's like this kind of mind control where they try to like convince me that I need this phone or I need this car. But there, if there's something, the reason they do it is because it works. Because within our generation, we're a generation that's got to have it. Like if we see somebody else with it, we want it, we're going to go out and get it, we're going to do whatever it takes, you know, buy, steal, borrow, whatever it takes to. To get it. And, and so that is kind of moving within us all the time. We're, we're a generation of splurging. We're a generation of treat yourself. We're a, a generation of more, more, more. And, and it's, it, it's that type of movement within us that makes us confuse want for need and hustle for greed. And, and I think it's in that greed that we have to move from today. And I think gratitude is that which is going to pull us out of that greed today, and, and, and not only from greed to, to gratitude, but from gratitude to generosity. I think it's this movement that's going to happen in us today, especially as we look at the scriptures and we just become more grateful, because I think our ability, your ability, our ability to, to really um, become extremely grateful for what we have is going to enable us or fuel us to become extremely generous with what we have. Again, our ability to become grateful for what we have, big or small, is going to fuel our ability to become extremely generous with what we have. And so in this movement, I think from, from greed to gratitude to generosity, I think we will become less like this world and more like God. We'll become less empty and more full. I think which is the desire of all of us there is these needs needs and wants within us innate as humans to want fullness of existence and purpose and I think moving this is really at the core of it Giving is a, a, a fun topic because everybody gets real uncomfortable with it. If this is your first time here, like this a, you, you probably feel like anytime time you show up to a church for the first time, they're going to talk about money. Like you just feel like it. It's just like in your head, like, I'm sure they're going to be talking about money today. And so it just sets us up. And a lot of us get very uncomfortable when we talk about money. But I think we've kind of got to get over that because Jesus talked about money almost more than anything else. He talked about money more than heaven and hell. Like, he, he actually talked about other things, but he would use money to talk about other things because he knows that money is at our hearts. And he said, I want to get to your heart, and really, the best way to get there is to talk about your money. <laughs> because where your treasure is, there your heart is also, is one of Jesus' quotes. And so, it's this kind of movement in us I think God wants us to become more like him. And, and so, if you kind of put up like a guard and immediately get critical, it, it may be one of those days that we need to dig into this more than anybody else Because it does almost offend us sometimes. But what I want it to do is, as opposed to offending us, begin to excite us that God wants to use us. He wants to use what you have, greater, small, in order to change the world. And so moving from this idea of when we hear the the word money, from the idea of how do I get that to how do I I give that? I think God's going to really begin to dig into us. Again, we're, we're doing a series on the church, right? And so there's this um, we, we started last week just talking about gathering, what it really means to gather. And there's this guy that wrote a book called The Early Church. We've been looking in the book of Acts. We'll continue to do that over the next few weeks. But there's this guy that wrote the book called uh, The Early Church. His name is Henry Chadwick. And, and there's this guy um, named Lucian, if you guys are any, like, early Greek scholars, which I know we've got lots of those in here. But there's this guy named Lucian who was, like, in the second century who would re- he really, like, hated humanity pretty much. And, and he thought Christianity was, like, just the pinnacle of, like, folly and stupidity, and so here's what Chadwick says about Lucian and and what Lucian thought about the church. Lucian had a low opinion of the human race, and he treated Christianity as merely additional evidence of human absurdity and folly, but he knew that the Christians were unbelievably generous with their money and preferred to be open-handed rather than inquire too closely into the recipients. This idea of being unbelievably generous and open-handed, I think is something that I want us to explore. And I, and I just wonder, like, could that be said of us? Could that be said of us that we are unbelievably generous and, and open-handed? And I think the truth of the matter is that for most of us, it's, it's not. I couldn't, couldn't be said. But, but what I really want to do is just unlock, not, not something from you, but something for you. I believe these principles are in place because I think it's going to free us of our love of money, of the, our love of, of relying on ourselves and moving to a place of trusting God with everything that we have because money is so at the core of that. And ultimately, if you look into the Christian church, we haven't become more generous, we've become less generous. In fact, statistically, the Christians in the Great Depression were more generous than the Christians are today. Like, I don't know about you, like, that's, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. There was about 3.3% given per capita during the Great Depression. And, and, and today, there's, there's only about 2.5%. Like, they had, and like, we think like we are being frugal when we cut a few coupons. Like, we didn't live in the Great Depression, nor, like, nor did I. Um, but like, if, you, if you've ever been around, you know, maybe some of your, your grandparents or your parents, um, the frugality that came with them is because they lived it. And, and, and it was much more than clipping coupons our entire life. You know, if you've seen me, they like to save a lot of things, you know. It's, it, in our generation, we just want to get rid of the clutter, and clean, right? Like we want to get rid of the clutter, clean up, throw stuff out. We're, we're less hanging on to stuff. But within that generation, there was something built. But even in our culture today, we're, we're even less generous because we've become just more, more, more splurging kind of, getting more type mentality. And so we're going to wade into this. And I just want you to come along a journey. And, and, and today, probably as more than any other day, I'm just going to just present scripture today. Because again, we put up this lens, in, in especially uh, we, we think that something like the, uh, a pastor begins to teach about money because like he, he's got a cut of it or something. Like, he, you know, that's how it works. Like if we got a million dollars today, like I'd get 10% of it. Like, no, it, doesn't work that way. Nothing changes in my life. You give a million dollars other than we'll be able to like, you know, build, you know, uh, an orphanage in Kenya that we want to build right now. we would be able to achieve and accomplish the gifts and visions that God's and the dreams that he's given us to, to, you know, really let God revive places and resurrect places. That's ultimately the only thing that would change is just our ability to be able to move within that. Certainly, I think God's going to stretch us in this, and I just pray that you'd go along this journey with me. I think the the first place we've got to start before we really look at real generosity is what we when we really look at trust and we really look at obedience and it's amazing because God's put a principle like right in front of us from very early on in the life of the people of Israel. And then moving into the early church, uh, it it just got even more intense and more passionate as we look at Acts chapter 2 and see that they, they, they sold possessions in order to take care of those in need. I mean, there was just this incredible amount of synergy, if I can use an old school word, uh, of just working together in order to share, make sure everybody was taken care of. And it had incredible impact on their culture. So much so that people like Lucian, who hated Christianity and hated humans, he was blown away by the fact that Christians would be so unbelievably generous. I hope that we might be able to make that kind of impact in the world. So let's start with trust, and ultimately I think the principle that kind of comes with trust is the principle of tithing. So so some of you guys have heard of this, some of you guys haven't. If you've had more of a church background, you might have heard about it some, and those of you that haven't, um, you you probably have never heard of it or never understood it. We might reference it, and you're like, I don't quite know what that means. So I'm just going to take a few minutes to just kind of explain what that is up front, and and I know immediately when I say the word tithing, people are like, oh, he's got to talk to those people who don't Tithe. Like, no, I'm talking to everybody today because some of you may be tithers and you may practice the principle of tithing, but you don't understand the principle of tithing. Therefore, I don't think you can reap the benefits or really understand what's taking place. Proverbs 4 7 says, In all of your getting, get understanding. Like, make sure you understand what's happening in your life. And and, and so, understand the principles that God's putting here. It's not, and there's another scripture that says, Obedience is better than sacrifice. You may be sacrificing, but you just need, we need to learn to be obedient in all of our getting and doing everything in this world, we just need to, to get understanding about these principles that God's put before us and really how they unlock real freedom in our life and joy and purpose and fullness. And so let's talk about tithing. What is tithing? Tithing is a principle within the body of Christ that started with the, the people of Israel um, that, that God put in place. And, and he said, look, with the first 10% of your income, and people talk about, is it net income or gross income? Well, I think it's gross income, I think it's the, the whole thing. Many times, you know, people are like, well, that's not what I take home. But I, I think there's this idea of, you know, who, who, when you get a loan, like what number do you use? Well, you use your gross income. When you, you go buy a car or a house, well, you, you use your, your gross income. You know what I mean? You, you, for everybody else in the world, you, they ask you, how much do you make, which no one really asked. But if they did, you'd tell them, the, the whole amount, and so if, if it's funny, like, when we get to God, we're like, yeah, let's uh, let's trim that back, it's not really what i this isn't really how much I'm making, God, I'm really making this much, you know that much, and so it's funny how we begin to rationalize all these things, and so it's, it's a gross income that, that comes in, it's that first 10%, and, and it was established with the people of Israel at the time, when they, they used more, like, fruits and grains, you know, and so it was sacrificing a, a tenth of their grains, to, you know, uh, sacrificing and giving a, a tenth of their their fruit or their oxen, a tenth of their oxen, and so this principle was kind of put in place um, for a lot of reasons, so we're going to talk about why we tithe, but first, just what is tithe? It's, it's the first 10%, it's the first fruits of what we make and what we earn, and we return it back to God. <clears throat> so let's begin to look into scripture. I told you I'm going to look, look at a lot of scripture, so if you feel like we're just kind of hitting scriptures, like jot down the reference, go through and dig it out at a later time and we're just going to talk about why we tithe. First of all, we tithe because it belongs to God. It belongs to God. Let's look at Leviticus 27 verse 30, and it says this, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, it belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. It's funny, like if, if, I, if I will, if I gave you a hundred bucks today, said, hey man, uh, but I need 10, 10, ten bucks of this, you know, back, and you're like, Okay, makes sense. You wouldn't be like, no, nah, dude, no Indian given. You gave me the hundred. You know, I think it's first understanding that it, it belongs to the Lord. It's holy. It's, in fact, sacred. It's set apart for the Lord and his purposes and his will. And, and so I think that's the first element that we've got to grab hold. Why we tie it? It's his. Like, and it's amazing. I, I heard this principle taught that it's actually the, the tenth is a symbolic of the whole. Because if you can count to ten, you can count to a billion. Because everything happens in tens. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And then you start back over 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. A tenth is a representation of the whole. And so it's not just saying, God, this is yours, but it's saying, God, it's all yours. And I trust you not just with a piece of it, but I trust you with all of it. And if we can begin to trust Him um, with, with a piece of it, we can trust Him with all of it. Um, and, and so first, it's just p- pounding this. Whoever would redeem any of their tithe. This is just a little more in that Leviticus passage, passage. Whoever would redeem any of their tithe must add a fifth of the value to it. This is talking about interest on your tithe. If you would redeem it, if like, you would use it for something else, th- the Bible literally teaches to tack a fifth of interest onto it. Because God wants us to remember, it's not your money. It's, it's mine. Not mine, but it's God's. It's God's money. He wants that to be reminded to us, so make sure we do that. Every tithe of the herd and flock, he's talking about every part of our life. Every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. And I love what it says right here next. This is, this is powerful. No one may pick out the good from the bad or make any substitution. If anyone does not make a substitution, both the animal and its substitute become holy, cannot be redeemed. Which means, like, used for other purposes. It, it, what he's saying here is, like, don't try to give me the leftovers. Like, don't try to give me, like, like the cow that's got one leg and it's dragging. Don't give me the leftovers with your life how many times do we do that? Like it's not the first check we write, it's the last one we write. In our minds, it's not the, the first thing on the budget, it's the last thing on the budget. And we don't give the, the first fruits, we don't give the best, we give we give the, the one that's you know kind of got a weird look to him and is really skinny, you know, cow. We don't have cows. You might have a cow? I don't have a cow. So life 's very different in this way, and as you move to the New Testament, things begin to, to move on, and, and you see the financial kind of comes into this, not just. Yeah, the, the tithe of land, because many times people will say, well, that was an Old Testament principle, it's not a New Testament. Well, if you look into the, the New Testament, Jesus talks about it. Some, some teachers are, are actually, they're like feeling like really great, uh, like these Pharisees, they're feeling really great because they do their tithe uh, of everything, but they're not like uh, keeping love and justice and, and, they, and mercy, and they're kind of neglecting those things. And Jesus says, don't stop doing this, just make sure that you keep what's most important, most important. This is a principle. A principle of trust. So the, it's holy. It's the Lord's. It belo- why do we tithe? It belongs to him. It belongs to him. We are simply stewards with it. We're simply stewards with what God's given us. So that's why, the first reason why we tithe. The second reason why we tithe is we learn to trust God in it. It helps us to learn to trust God. Because I don't know about you, but me, I'm skeptical and I'm selfish. I'm skeptical and I'm selfish. I, I have trouble. I, and last time I checked, I'm, I'm human. I don't know about you, but pretty sure everybody in here is human. Is that safe to say? And so within us is this skepticism and this flesh desire that has trouble trusting. I think even more in our culture today, what some of us, why we struggle with is we have trouble trusting, not just people. We have trouble trusting God. We have trouble wrapping our brain around the pain that we've gone through, uh, around the uh, mismanagement that happens at times in the church. I, I think we have troubled trusting God, people, because of our lack of trust in God. And, and look at this Deuteronomy passage. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord, your God, at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name, so that you may learn to revere the Lord. Reverence the Lord, honor the Lord, your God, always. It's so that we may learn. We, we have to learn to trust God. In, in no place can we learn to trust God more than our finances. It was amazing as we set out to launch and and journey to to plant this church here in Jacksonville. I I felt really confident my my whole um, just ministerial life and being in ministry. Uh, I've been in ministry several years and and really the one thing that scared me about this calling was finances. I, I trusted God. I just didn't know if I trusted him in this area. I, I did. I mean, we'd always tithed, and we'd always paid our tithes. We'd always given, we'd always, you know, loved on folks, give to needy, give to friends, and just, we were givers. But it became a different thing when, when I said, okay, we're like moving from everything we know, everything that's safe into an environment we don't know, and people we don't know, and, and no promise of financial um, anything. And that is when it kind of began to get nervous. And so that entire year leading up to us launching, or from us leaving where we were before and having a paycheck, that entire time, it was like God, if he was hammering miracles, he was hammering financial miracles because he wanted to build my faith and trust him. I could tell you three different exact miracles. The first um the first happened at the, the Christmas of, I think it was 2010 or 2011, and God gave me the desire of my heart, a, 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 like a $2,500, $3,000 Taylor guitar. I would never be able to like, buy this guitar on my own for a very long time, and a man came to me and said, God told me to buy you a, a guitar. And I was like, sweet. And, um, and he's like, he's like I, I want you to go pick it out. I was like, sweeter and he's like, no, I want you to pick out your dream guitar. I was like, you serious? He's like, I want you to get get something that you can give to your kids, and your kids can give to your grandkids, and I was moved, and it was this moment that God saw the desires of my heart, and and my willingness to obey him, and and little things that had already been happening. I think God had that incredible blessing, but it didn't stop there. I I felt like God was calling me to, to do a worship album, and And we were making ends meet, but we weren't like rolling in the dough. We had some savings, but it was savings. It wasn't like yeah, go cut this record and, um, you know. So anyway, but I feel like God told us to do it, and we talked about it, and it was a a step of faith. I mean, it was going to cost thousands of dollars that like we didn't have, and and it was amazing that. And I'm good at, at budgeting money. Um, and it was funny, I just watched our, our income as we paid for this, and there was never these big, crazy amounts that came in of, like, God just dropping off a check, but somehow at the end of this multi, like, $1,000 job, it was probably, like, $6,000 what, what it cost me, about $6,000, somehow, like, we didn't, our bank account wasn't overflowing, but we weren't, like, nothing really had changed, and I just kind of scratched my head, and I'm like, I watched this, like, I don't know how this happened. And it was just, so it moved from this place of the desires of my heart, and it moved to um, really ministry, and what just something God told me to do is develop this worship album and release it. So I did it, and I give them away for free. Um, And and then the third thing was this mission trip. So it moved from desire of my heart to ministry to mission. This mission trip to Australia, and our baby, our oldest, was, um, he was nine months old at the time when this mission trip was going to hit. It was to Australia, South Australia, to the Aboriginal people, and and I, I just struggled. I'm like, man, I don't want to leave my babies because it was like a like a 16-day trip. That was a long time to leave my kiddos. And um, I just struggled. And so I didn't. I'm usually like the first one to get my money and raise my money and have extra to give to everybody else. That's usually how I am with Mission Trip. Well, this one, I didn't do squat. I literally didn't. It was so hard for my heart to even get excited about it. Like I wanted to go, but I didn't want to leave my family. I just didn't. And it's, um, it's amazing how this process happened is that literally we're three weeks before it's time to go. And I've got to raise like $3,500. It's like 3000 or $3,500. A lot of money, okay? Like this isn't just going to like sprinkle from the sky. Uh, I'm not just going to rub a couple of nickels together go find a tree um, and sell something. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, so ultimately it was just God just moving us to this place of, of trust and faith in Him. And three weeks before... Um, I I didn't even know, if at this point I was kind of thinking about backing out, and someone's like, hey, did you know there's $900 in your account? I'm like, I haven't even, I've literally told no one that I'm going on this trip. How is there $900 in my account? And um, so we just kind of took that as a sign of like, I guess God wants us to do it. And within a week, I had another guy that called me up, a guy I hadn't seen in a long time, that was single and made probably less money than I did. And uh, he, calls me, he calls me up and says, Hey, man, where are you at? God woke me up. I haven't been able to sleep all night long, and I've got something I need to give you. I didn't know what he was talking about. I just need to see you. I need to meet with you. I'm like, Okay, whatever. So, kind of got excited. And I said, Oh, yeah, I'll meet you. Just come by the office you know, the next morning. So, he came by the office and handed me $2,000 in cash, like cash money, like right there. <clears throat> so, now I had $2,900. I think the, the trip was was $3,000. So it was just an incredible way for us to get to this place to learn to trust God. And it moved from the desires of my heart with his guitar. And, I, and God's just that good. Like when you trust him with your life, he's just good. Scriptures say that, you know, your father on heaven, if they can give you good gifts, and some of us that's never a good reference because you haven't had a good example for a father. Um, but, but certainly if, if people on earth can give good gifts, how much more do you think your heavenly father can give good gifts? And, just, and so for us, it was this moment and this movement to just trust in God, to take a big leap. Um, and that may be going on in your life, but certainly we need to learn to trust God. The third thing is because, so that we can experience overflow. Look at, look at this passage right here. So that we can experience overflow. I think this speaks a, a, to us uh, both corporately and individually. There's two, two passages here. I think we've got is the Proverbs passage first Proverbs 3, 9, 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will be brim over with new wine. He's saying, when you trust me with this, honor him with your wealth and and it'll be overflowing. There's a sense this word overflow comes up. Look at Malachi 3, which is one of the biggest passages that go through. And we talked about it belonging to the Lord, you know, a second ago. And in this passage, in the Malachi 3 passage, a couple verses before this, um, God actually says back to them, he's like, will you rob God? There's this idea that when we're withholding, we're actually robbing God from what belongs to him. Let's look at Malachi 3 here. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. This is the one place in scripture where God says, test me in this. Like, I double, triple dog dare you to test me in this. You won't hear God say this many times, because he's like, how dare you try to test me? He'll, He'll remind you I'm God, right? But this time, when it comes to our finances, when it comes to trusting him in our survival, he says, I dare you to test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And it's amazing that he, I think the obedience unlocks the floodgates. It's obedience to God in this, bring the whole tithe. He's not saying like, like jump off of a cliff. He's not saying do anything. He's just saying, trust me in this, test me in this. And I'm gonna, I want to, I want to bless you. But my, the way my economic system is set up is through obedience and trust. I've seen this happen in my life. Um, pour out so much blessing, there will not be enough to store it. Is there more there? Let's continue. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. I love this idea of preventing pests. I think this literally works out in very practical ways. I mean, I've got two cars that both of them, they're 10 and 12 years old and have like 160 something thousand miles on them. Um, so I'm obviously not a prosperity-like preacher, um, but I, I am very much a faithfulness and gratitude and generosity preacher. Um, and I, I th- I've think i seen this play out in like stuff that should have died a long time ago, keeps rolling. I think this is part of like how God prevents pests from devouring, um, whether it's the engine in my car or the washing machine or, or whatever. And, and, and certainly it's just a, a way in which God draws that trust out of us. So I think God wants to unlock that overflow in our life, And I think all of us would say we want that, but it's tough to go through the process of really trusting him in this. So Malachi 3. So I think there's this transition that that we'll make here, moving from really the tithe, and not just what tithe is, but why we tithe, and really the importance of it, and what happens, what God can unlock when we're faithful in, in those things. You know, John Piper said, said it this way. Um, do you have that quote up there today? They may want to jot it down. How we handle our money and possessions is the barometer of how we trust God and treasure Christ. It's the barometer. It, it's an indicator of how much we trust God because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's just quoting Jesus at that point. That's not a new quote. He's just quoting Jesus. I feel like there should be extra quotes. Um, it's the barometer of how we trust God. So simply... Tithe is the first fruits. It's, it's trusting God. It's symbolic of the whole. And I believe it's a life-giving principle into your financial and spiritual life. Um, and, and so I want, to, I want to take kind of a transition and move a, a little bit deeper. Again, because we're making this move as we look into the early church in Acts 2 and just how generous they were and, and how they kind of prepared the funds and gave to those in need and, and provided for missionary travels all over the world. Like, we are here today Because the early church gave. We are here today because the early church gave. Because it spread all over the world from there with a small few, and it got larger and larger because people sacrificed and gave. And begin to see that picture of what can happen in us and through us as we learn to trust God in this way. Is that there's still parts of the world in which people need to hear Jesus across the street, uh, across the country, across the world, and as we begin to trust, we'll see this, this process just go again and multiply. Let's look to 2 Corinthians chapter, er, yeah, Second Corinthians chapter 9, I believe it is. Is that right? Remember, is it 9 or 6? 9. I feel like I was getting flipped up. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also Reap generously. I think all of us in this room would say, yeah, I'd rather be on the reaping generously side. But the principle works. Whoever sows sparingly, we're going to reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. That's why I'm not putting, like, starving children on the TV today or sad little puppy dogs, because I don't want you giving her under compulsion, and I'm not even, like, taking up the offering today or, like, receiving the offering not reluctantly or under God wants a cheerful giver. He wants us to be open-handed. And if we look at the principle we were just looking at, like if we're closed-handed, no one can put anything in there either. When we're open-handed, not only, we see it's yours, God. I trust you for more. I trust you with what I have. If you take this, then I know you're gonna replace it and bring overflow in it. He wants a cheerful giver. So he's beginning to talk about our attitude Our attitude, some of us that may be tithing, may be giving, we may just be doing it you know, begrudgingly or just because someone asked us to. And Scripture says he wants us to be cheerful, but it does a lot of heart digging up there to really get to the place of being a cheerful giver. Verse 8, let's continue here. And God is able to bless you abundantly. Here's another uh, point about just overflow and abundance. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, Again, don't mistake want for need. You will abound in every good work. As it's written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So he's saying there's a spiritual connection to what takes place in this physical exchange. There's a spiritual exchange that's taking place that the harvest of your righteousness, that you will think more like God. You become less like this world and more like the God who gave his only son. We become less um, in in our selfish ways and like our culture and more. We, We also enlarge this harvest of righteousness, that there is something that's coming forth of not only good works but right thinking because we're more aligning to the heart of God. Verse 11. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Something's happening in your heart. Something's happening in the tangible in which that you'll be able to give every single time because, A, we're not grabbing onto it with a close-handed fist, but it's open. We're generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God that other people will begin to thank God because of your generosity. Some of the missionary pro- projects that, that my, my heart is set on, some that we're giving to, some that we have plans to give to. Um, it, it, I I just see this in people with tears in their eyes and saying like I'm I, I had food today because because people gave on the other side of the world. I, I have clean drinking water because somebody gave that. Our generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. There is this joy that takes place. He wants this cheerful kind of attitude coming out of us um, so so that we can really reap the benefit. I mean, have you ever given someone that just kind of like given something to someone and just like they weren't expecting it? You know, and just that look on their face and that feeling you have is just like perfect. I mean, it's just like we want that. And I think it becomes almost a drug once we begin this journey of seeing the joy and generosity um, and, and just trusting God with all that we have. Look at this Proverbs 11 passage here that talks about the jo- joy of overflow and what happens in this. Proverbs 11. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And I think this has to do with not only tangibly, I think this has to do with so many other ways that many of us are like, you know, we gave, we gave the $100 and like we expect an extra hundred dollars. Well, first of all, tithe is I think a little different from the giving and what we can expect from that. I think the tithe it belongs to the Lord. It's trusting God. It's learning, and we do experience overflow from it. But but certainly within this, I, I think it, 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 we we find ourselves refreshed in so many areas of our life because we know that our lives are in His hands. So this is really it's just a process of not only trusting God but moving and just having joy to be generous, moving from greed to gratitude and gratitude to generosity. I want to say a couple things as I close today. And, and one is that I think this involves praying on it. I, I think we need to learn to pray on it and to plan on it. Um, I, I heard uh, Rick Warren um, talk about this, and certainly that scripture talks about planning on it. Make, make, you know, make a decision of what like, you're going to give in your heart. And, and Pastor Rick Warren says this. He says, that, um, he says, do you give out of reason or do you give out of revelation? Because reason, like we, we we kind of figure everything out. Well, this is how much we're going to give. Revelation, which doesn't require any faith, we just reason it out. But revelation, saying, God, what do you want me to give? What do you want to give through me, God? Who, who do you want me to bless, God? What do you, what do you want me to be involved in? It, it's when God can give through us that we really begin to to see this picture of of obedience is better than sacrifice, and that God can do something through me. Not just in how I shake people's hands or hug their neck, but tangibly changing people's lives. And, and so I think there's this first aspect that we have to pray on it. And, and so many times we, we talk about, okay, let, let's pray about it. But don't forget, like, God wants to hear, like, what's going on in your life. If, like, there's a desire of your heart, like, I'm not going to lie. There's been times, like, that guitar I told you about, like, I straight up say, God, if you want to uh, bless me one of those, that would be amazing. Like, he knows those desires of our heart. I think the first aspect, we've got to plan on it. Look at this Philippians passage. Don't be anxious about anything. Just take a deep breath. Like, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, like gratitude is another word to put there. Let your request be made known to God. It's not like you're, you know, a selfish kid who's just wanting more, more, more. You're thankful, like with gratitude. Like, ask with gratitude. Like, God, I'm thankful for everything you've done. Like it would sure be nice if if I had a car that wouldn't die on me every single day, like that would be super. you know I'm thankful that it gets me from there to there, but I'm not so thankful that it breaks down every day, like make those requests known to the Lord if you're like unhappy in your job and like you're looking for like fullness and, and meaning and purpose in it, be like, God, I'm thankful that I have this job, but like I would love for you to just put me in a place where I just feel connected to the calling that you've given me. So I, I think there's both sides of it. It's, it, it's not just praying, God, what we have me give? But also knowing that he's a father that, that loves to give good gifts. And that you can bring your requests to him. Bring them in thanksgiving and ask. Don't be afraid to ask. You have not because you ask not. I think that's the first thing is pray on it. The second thing is plan on it. If you look at that 2 Corinthians 9 passage... Give what you've decided in your heart. Make a plan. If you look at, at 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2, it's a New Testament passage in which Paul talks, uh, he's talking to the church, and he's saying, look, make this collection on the first day of the week. And I love that, that we gather on Sundays, and I don't know if you looked at a calendar lately, but Sunday's actually the first day of the week, not Monday. We always complain about Mondays, we complain about the second day of the week, but Sunday's fun day, right? Like we, we love Sundays. And it's the first day of the week. And so I think there's something incredibly beautiful and spiritual about us setting aside the first day of the week to, as Sabbath and, and worship to the Lord. Complete worship. Not that the rest of it's not, but it's set aside. It's a principle. It's a life-giving principle of rest and trust. Trust me with that day. And then also, as Paul instructs the New Testament church on that first day of the week, like make a collection he says, do that so that there'll be room to kind of go around. There'll be plenty to go around. There'll be overflow. And it's setting the stage for our entire week. And some of us, we've been doing it. We just need to look at it spiritually. And, and thank God for it. Some of us have been complaining about what we don't have. And we just need to be, get, be getting grateful about what we do have. Realize how blessed we are. Some of us, there's some, some real heart issues when it comes to Money. We don't tell anybody we're greedy. We don't come off greedy, but straight up, if we look into our own hearts, we know we're greedy. We know that our fists are as tight as they can be. And we also experience emptiness. And God wants us to experience fullness. He doesn't want you living a life of whatever's just kind of falling out of your hand or just wasting away. He wants to prevent the pests from devouring. He, he wants the wine vats to be an overflow. He wants the barn to be full so that people can be fed in our city, spiritually and physically. I, I'm calling us as a people to trust God, like simply. And God's saying, test me. Like he doesn't do that often, so like I dare you to test him. It's probably going to turn out way in your favor. He's saying, test me in this. Like, I dare you. Like, see if I won't throw open the windows of heaven and open the floodgates. Like, some of us could use, like, some floodgates open in our life. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Don't give out a compulsion. Like, I'm not taking up the offering right now. Receiving the offering. I'm not doing that, okay? Just asking us to allow God to work on our hearts today. Because we can make this some pragmatic, reasonable, like whatever. It's about faith. Like What we believe as Christians is faith. It's trust in God. Sometimes we say we have it, but when we really look at it, we really don't. God's going to take you through a process. Take a step forward today, whatever that looks like for you in your life. Bring your prayers and requests to the Lord. These guys are going to lead us in worship, and then we're going to come to the table in a few moments. So let's just stand. I just want to pray that God would just dig into our hearts in these next few moments in worship. This is, this is your response time with just you and Jesus to just just encounter him in a deeper way. Just dig in. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, thank you for this life-giving principle, God, that has unlocked a blessing in my life. God, I, I remember times when if it wasn't for your blessings and your provision, God, my family wouldn't have eaten. Our bills wouldn't have been paid, God. So I'm thankful that my father taught me this. I'm thankful that you taught us this. God, help us to dig down deep and just see what you would have of us today to be obedient, God, to stir within us a passion and a deeper trust in your name, to know that it all belongs to you. and love you. Let's just dig in and worship today.